You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Even though the Chicago White Sox did not qualify for the 2017 postseason, no shortage of excitement for the Pale Hose during the 2017 regular season. And joining us on this Friday the 13th to break it all down, our White Sox beat reporter for MLB.com, Mr. Scott Merkin. Scott, we thank you for the time as always. And uh, Scott, you and the other beat reporters submitting your top 10 lists for the uh, top moments of your respective clubs during the 2017 campaign. And uh, like I said, no shortage of those for the White Sox this year. We saw some mammoth uh, tape measure home runs by Matt Davidson. We saw a great uh, debut for uh, Nicky Delmonico. He really came on the scene late. Adam Engel made some uh, ridiculous home run robbing catches in center field this year. Uh, Jose Abreu hit for the cycle in a most uh, interesting fashion. He had to uh, endure some pain on his way to that cycle, but he got it nonetheless. So, when you when you break it all down and look at uh, your favorite ones, what kind of stands out to you? Well, I think there's there's kind of different levels. You know, I mean, this is a team that obviously was not designed to go anywhere this year. And although they did have a very solid start, I think they were 13 and nine at one point, and you know, somewhat competitive for most of the first half. You know, Rick Hahn stuck to his plan of the rebuild and moved a lot of the veterans uh, certainly by the trade deadline and into August, where you know they were they were a true rebuilding team by midway through the year. So there were moments like that, like Yohan Moncada makes his debut, Lucas Giolito makes his White Sox debut, and shows that you know the issues he was having last year with Washington seem to be a thing of the past. Ronaldo Lopez comes up, Nicky Delmonico comes up. But in terms of individual moments, I think the best moment of the year was Jose Abreu hitting for the cycle. Jose Abreu himself was just a great moment this year. He, he played great. His offense was, you know, he was an elite middle-of-the-order hitter. His defense got better as he worked on it during the year. And really, he became kind of not just the the leader of the team, but kind of the voice of the team. And even though he does interviews through an interpreter, you could see his personality come through more this year. And it, it's a great personality. He's a great guy. And I think just you wouldn't the excitement that you saw when he hit for the cycle usually is saved for a team like you know competing for a game four, or game five in a playoff series, or game six and game seven as we move to the LCS. And you know he came down to his last at bat. And he was facing a young Giants reliever, and he needed the triple. And Jose is not, you know, a speed burner, but he's not slow either. He can get around there, and he ran very well this year. His ankles were strong. He was in good health all year. And he fouled the ball off his foot, off his, off his ankle, I believe. During that at bat, Ricky Renteria, the manager, joked about coming out and trying to take the bat from him, and Jose just kind of glared at him and said, I'm staying in. <laughs> and, like, one pitch later, he lined one into right center, which anyone who's familiar with guaranteed right field, that's about the one spot for a right-hander to hit a triple and he was flying around the bases and he actually kind of uh helicoptered around second he almost fell there but made it to third and I mean he really you know he's done a lot he's had a lot of great achievements in the time he's been with the White Sox but I don't think I've ever seen him more proud he was just the sixth guy in franchise history to hit for the cycle so you know there have been less cycles than no hitters in White Sox history that's crazy when you really think about it. That's really crazy. So a uh, great moment there for Jose Abreu. And I know that, uh, you know, Rick Hahn has uh, dealt off so many uh, veterans in, in the past year, year and a half to acquire these young prospects that you brought up, you know, like the Lucas Giolitos and the Yoan Moncadas and, and so on and so forth. 
Is Abreu a guy, though, that I wouldn't call him a veteran per se? He's been around in the majors a couple years now, but is is he the guy that you kind of draw the line with and say, you know what, I, I can't ship this guy off to get even more prospects because we need we need a thumper in the middle of that lineup. We need a guy that we have to comprise our nucleus around. Is Abreu going to be that guy going forward? Well, it's interesting you, you talk about the trades Rickon made. I was just joking with him. I was at the uh... – White Sox Instructional League for a few days, and I told him that he not only is rebuilding the Sox, but he basically fixed the Cubs, too, by trading Jose Quintana there before <laughs> the All-Star break. They were they were two under at that point, and now they're in the LCS for the third straight year. So he's just been that good this year that he's fixing other teams <laughs> inadvertently by making the trades. But but I think you're exactly right, Matt. You said it. You, you nailed it right on the head there in that. And this is just me talking, and, you know, the Sox don't exactly pick my brain on what they should do, but I think it would be a big mistake to trade Jose Abreu. I think you have to have some veterans in that lineup, and, you know, he's still under control for two more years via arbitration. He's going to get a raise this year. He's going to get a raise next year, obviously, too. But he is so important to that team right now as kind of, like I said, the voice of the team. He's the guy that now has picked up that spot that kind of Paul Canerco had before him and Adam Dunn had where – you know, good or bad, whatever they do, he's the guy who talks to the media. And that takes a lot of pressure off those younger kids who are just kind of getting acclimated into the big leagues. In the same sense, he's a great influence on the younger kids, and he really has been, you know, a huge help. And and you can't – very few times do you see a team that can just do this alone on prospects, you know. Jerry Reinsdorf had a great comment to another reporter uh, last winter meetings that you got to get, like, 12, 14, 15 of these guys to make sure four or five actually make it through. Right. And that's the thing. In order to you know, have the complete rebuild, every one of these teams that's done it, Kansas City, the Cubs, Houston, you have to add on, too. But you have to have a good veteran base, too. And you can look at Jose Abreu as maybe a slightly older version of what Anthony Rizzo became with the Cubs, you know, went through the hard times and now is playing for trying to get to a second straight World Series. So, yeah, I think he's essential to keep in this mix. I think not only could you keep him here, but I think you could probably carry him through, not carry him, bring him through the rebuild, too, and he could be a great voice and a great component to when they intend to contend again. Yeah, and, and when the White Sox do contend, uh, Abreu's going to be that veteran presence that uh, you know people are going to look towards and say, you know, he's the guy that, like you said, stayed here through the rebuild, and now he's reaping the benefits, and hopefully that is the blueprint for the White Sox going forward in the next uh, you know two to three years. Uh, one moment, and I, and I should I, add, he wants sure. to stay. You know, I mean, he's yeah. talked a number, of, and, and again, very few players come out and say, no, get me the heck out of here, I'm done here. You know, <laughs> but I mean. He's very. He was kind of like Chris Sale. You know, Chris Sale wanted to stay. I think it was time for them to move at that point, both for Chris's sake and the Sox's sake. But Jose is not saying, you know, privately, you got to get me a new contender right now. You know, he wants to stay and he wants to see this through and be part of this team when it's good again. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, hopefully that's what happens. Uh, you, you you want guys who want to be there, and he clearly wants to be exactly. there. And that's step one, and Jose Abreu certainly fits that bill. Uh, one thing I want to get your uh, – I'm curious to get your opinion on. I talked to your colleague Jason Beck, our Tigers reporter, about a half hour or so ago, and he brought up, you know, that it was obviously a very down year for the Tigers as well, but he brought up the Matt Boyd no-hit effort which he came one out away. That was against the White Sox, of course, at Comerica Park. It was Tim Anderson who broke up the no-hit bid after eight and two-thirds. As a reporter for the other team, and you're seeing, you know, a guy come so close to making history, and then it gets broken up, is it bittersweet for you a little bit? Because it's, you know, any reporter wants to see a no-hitter thrown, even if it's against your team, quote-unquote. How Did you have mixed emotions when Tim Anderson hit that double to break it up? Yeah, you know, that happened twice to the Sox this year. The wow. Sox had an uh, eight and a third in Colorado, I believe it was, Kyle Freeland, 
and Melky Cabrera, I, I believe, got a single to left field. This one, Melky was still obviously part of the team before That's he got right. traded to the Royals. So, yeah, it, it's always exciting to say no-hitter. I've actually, and this is kind of a uh, running bit around my colleagues, is the White Sox have thrown two perfect games since I've been on the beat, and I was off both of those days. So <laughs> I, missed, I missed the perfect game by Burley. I did see his no-hitter against Texas, but I missed the perfect game against Tampa, and I was not in Seattle when Phil Umber threw the perfect oh, game. Man. So, yeah, you know, there aren't many in baseball history, and I've missed the opportunity for two of them. So, yeah, you don't, you don't see them too often, and I often joke on Twitter, you know, after an inning or two about so-and-so has a perfect game through this and that. But, you know, the thing about Boyd is the Sox really hit Boyd hard this year. Hmm. So kudos to him for really, you know, turning in one of the kind of the games of his life, his young career so far. And, yeah, that was a huge moment in a, in a down year for Detroit, a very down year for Detroit. But, yeah, I mean, I think no team wants to be no-hit, whether they're – well, that's, a, that's an obvious question, but no team, like, will accept being no-hit as, oh, just another loss. It really isn't another loss. You want to get at least one hit out there. And that's why you see guys react like that and the dugout react like that when, you know, they get one hit and lose 8 nothing, but it's still that one hit. So <laughs> kudos to Matthew Boyd. Kudos to Kyle Freeland. Great efforts of both. I think Kyle Freeland's pitch count was up around 127 mm. when Cabrera got that hit off him. So very impressive to even go five, six innings, let alone take it within three outs of getting it done. Yeah, he was he was so close, and I know there was a lot of disappointment that day in Detroit, but like you said, you know, a, a no-hit loss is not just another loss. It's, you know, you're it's a little embarrassing. You don't want to go nine full innings and get zero hits. Tim Anderson got uh, that elusive first hit just in the nick of time, and uh, there was no no-hitter at Comerica Park that day. Scott, as we uh, come down the home stretch, uh, any moments or any plays or anything weird that uh, that kind of just were very unexpected or, or shocked you in any way from this season? Well, you know, last year was the year of the triple play for the White Sox. They did not manage to pull one of these those off this year. You know, I think Adam Engel's defense, you know, Adam's still – is kind of is a work in progress trying to make a little more well a decent piece more contact the plate, but he is a major league capable major league elite uh, center fielder defensively, and he robbed two home runs. I believe he took one away from Austin Jackson, who of course had arguably one of the catches of the year, yep. you know, at Fenway Park. Yep. And then he took one away from Brian McCann going all the way over into right center and leaping and making that catch. So I think you know Adam Engel deserves a lot of credit for the defense he played in the face of a not great you know, overall offensive debut. But, yeah, I think just going back, just, you know, the the Jose Abreu season, and, of course, it's not really a weird moment, but what Avi Garcia, Avicel Garcia did this year. I mean, I think people knew that this guy had five tool capabilities in him and it just hadn't come about yet. But I don't think anyone on in the organization, even the people who support him the most, a guy like Kenny Williams who's been behind him since they made the trade, thought he was going to hit 330 and finish second in the American League at hitting this year. So just a great breakout year from Avi Garcia, who really seems determined to not make this just kind of a blip. This is going to be, you know, I'm not saying he's going to hit 330 every year, but this is going to be more of the norm. So I think that's the biggest thing that stands out is just uh, what a great year Avi Garcia finally managed to turn in this year, both offensively, defensively, and just kind of running the bases overall game this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was he part of the three-team trade back in 2013 for Jake Peavy? Was that that deal? Yeah, that was kind of the first uh, – kind of the soft rebuild for Rick Hahn back then. It was right. a uh, kind of try and rebuild and then contend quickly, and it didn't quite work that way. But, yeah, it was Avi came from the Tigers to the White Sox. Iglesias went to the Tigers, and Jake Peavy went to the Red Sox. And Jake Peavy ended up winning a, a World Series at the Red Sox. And now, you know, Avi is even more so, I think, in terms of your question about Jose Abreu, that's a guy you got to figure out. You know, again, with two years of control, 
what the market is for him. Do you feel what he did is somewhat sustainable, even if it's not 330? And then go from there. Because really, you're at the point with both these guys where you either try and get something for him if there's a market, or you try work out some, some some sort of extension to carry them through the re, to bring them through the rebuild. Yeah, like you said, maybe three thirty is unsustainable, but uh, the talent's there, and it, it took a little bit no longer question. to come out right than than some people expected. But uh, maybe twenty seventeen was the breakthrough, and uh, twenty eighteen he could take his game to another level. Uh, time will tell. We will find out. Scott Merkin, a pleasure as always. We'll do it again soon. We thank you for the time on this Friday, the thirteenth. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Chicago White Sox.